Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. We, um, it's a great, it's a, it's a beautiful day. The cold weather is back. Maybe some of you are encouraged. Some of you are not. Personally, I cold never bothered me anyway, so amen. But, um, you know, last week, last week, uh, I was very, very silly and out of myself. Uh, but I think I, I'm going in a different direction this week. I want to, um, if you have a Bible, you can turn it over to First Peter. But before I get started, I'm actually going to have some sharing I want to do. I have, a, I have a snippet from an article I want to read. Um, I, was, I was talking to my best friend this week, uh, my other best friend, Steve, not my wife. Talk to her every week, every day, pretty much. You know, the, uh, you know, I, I was, um, I was talking to him, and, and he's, you know, he's in uh, South Florida. He's in, he's now leading the like youth and family and campus ministry. He's, he's been doing a lot down there. He's had, he's had something like 22 people become Christians in the last like 15 months. Um, you know, and, and in those moments, I feel like wicked insecure. And then I get over it because it's Florida, uh, you know. But the um, I prayed for the hill country, and the Lord gave it to me. So Amen. But the uh, I, I I talked to him though, and and talking to him, it was interesting because he's felt um, he's had a hard time in in the ministry where he's at. A new a new region leader has come in, and and there's a guy that he's working with, and um, he's been working really hard to, to get connected with this guy, and. They've really bumped heads a lot. But he recently asked the question, he said, you know, hey, do you have, do you have a vision for me? Do you have a, a long-term vision? Um, you know, what, what do you see for me in the next two years, you know? Um, which is, I mean, that's a great question to ask. You know, where, where do you see me going? Like, how, because he wanted to hear it. And um, there wasn't really a response, you know. And, and what it ended up coming to is, is my friend just asked the question eventually. He goes... It, well, do you guys mind if I start, do you mind if I just look for somewhere else to be in the ministry? And um, he was sharing with me, and I was so discouraged for him, because I was like, brother, you are amazing. Like, you're amazing. He's feeling wicked, like, discouraged, you know, going through different times and, and feeling this. And I'm like, you're incredible. And I'm like, I went down to a, region, uh, a church leaders retreat this uh, last week, and um, I was like, we need to bring him back to New England. Somebody hire him. I called somebody in New York. Was like, hey, I know you're looking for somebody. Hire this brother. He's amazing. And but what it came to is, I, I heard him, and he's he's feeling like ultimately not valued, right? And and so I was thinking about that though, and I thought all of us at different times in life we have a perspective of looking at who we are, right? We, we've got to assess what is our personal value, right? And, and, and so that's, that's actually, uh, the title of my sermon today is Value Assessment. Yours, mine, and ours, right? And it's interesting because this idea of, of value, self-value, call it self-worth, other words are, are self-esteem. And, and so I was talking to him and, and I was like, this is so important because he was feeling this way. And I ultimately, you know, in our discussion, it came to who are you before God? You know, because it's, it's so easy for us to define ourselves 
by, by work, by friends, by family, by so many things. But really trying to figure out who are we and, and how do we establish our own personal self-worth. Right? What are we worth? And, and so I, I was, was going online and I was doing some reading and I was reading uh, different articles. And one of them, uh, this is some excerpts from one that I, I found. It's, it's from a guy who, who wrote a book uh, along these concepts. But it's from Neil Burton's book, and, and I found it on Psychology Today, and I, and I took some parts of it, so this isn't the whole thing. But I want to read it, so if you'll bear with me. It says, while self-confidence and self-esteem, which I think self-esteem and self-worth or self-value could be interchangeable, right? It says, while self-confidence and self-esteem often go hand in hand, it is possible to have high self-confidence and yet low self-esteem. This is because self-confidence says, I can, where self-esteem says, I am. In the West, self-esteem is primarily based on achievement, whereas in the East, it's primarily based on worthiness, that is, on being seen and accepted as a good member of the family, community, and other other in-groups. One problem with achievement-based self-esteem is that it promotes fear of failure, and the pursuit of success at all costs. Moreover, because achievement is not wholly within our control, because its effects are transient, it cannot offer a secure foundation for our self-esteem. Worthiness-based self-esteem also has its limitations. First, it relies heavily on the acceptance or rejection of others. And so, like achievement-based self-esteem, is not wholly within our control. Second, because acceptance is contingent upon conformity within the in-group. It severely restricts our range of possibilities. People with healthy self-esteem are able to take risks and to give their all to a project or ambition because although failure may hurt or upset them, it is not going to damage or diminish them. They do not rely on externals such as status or income or on crutches such as alcohol, drugs, or sex. To the contrary, they treat themselves with respect and take good care of their health, development, and environment. They are open to growth experiences, to meaningful relationships, the tolerant of risk, quick to joy and delight, and accepting and forgiving of themselves and others. Many people find it simpler to work on their self-confidence than on their self-esteem and end up with a long list of abilities and achievements to show for themselves. As they also depend on this list for their self-esteem, they cannot afford to look upon themselves as they truly are, with all of their imperfections and failures. And so they're unable to recognize, let alone address, their real problems and limitations. And more tragically, to still accept and love themselves as less than perfect human beings that they truly are. As anyone who has been to a university knows, a long list of abilities and achievements is neither sufficient nor necessary for high self-esteem. While people keep on working on their lists in the hope that it might one day be long enough, they try to fill the void with status, income, possessions, relationship, sex, and so on. Attack their status, criticize their car, and observe in their reaction that it is them that you are attacking and criticizing. Whenever we live up to our dreams and promises, we can feel ourselves growing. 
Whenever we fail, but know that we have given our best, we can feel ourselves growing. Whenever we stand up for our values and face the consequences, we can feel ourselves growing. Whenever we come to terms with a difficult truth, we can feel ourselves growing. Whenever we bravely live up to our ideals, we can feel ourselves growing. This is what growth depends on. Growth depends on bravely living up to ideals, not on the ideals of the bank that we work for, or the parents' praise, or the children's successes, or anything else that is not truly our own, but instead a betrayal of ourself. I read this article and, and I thought it was very interesting, and he, he has much more in it, and, and I, I tried to take out just the parts that I feel like were relevant to us, and, and were more easily to, to kind of a synopsis. But one of the things I came away with, it, I thought was interesting, in the very end of his thing, he still ends it with an assessment based on achievement. In many ways, if, if, if you look at this, he's, he's got a, you grow or you are more when you are achieving certain ideals. Even when you fail, you, you're trying your hardest. It's still an achievement thing. You do more, you therefore are greater. You know, you, you grow in your self-esteem. And so, in all of this though, I, I came away with the thought. All of this, like he said before, it's transient. Our achievement, you know, what we want to achieve, we say if, that is, if that's what determines our value, that may change when you move from one city to another. It may change when you go from one country to another. It may change from simply one job to the next, right? It's all of the things that we have, the skills we have, they may matter to one person and not to another, right? You know, I could drive a Tesla and that's cool to some, but no, other people are like, who cares? What's a Tesla? That may be your question, you know, but the idea is we, we look at these things and we say, what do I base my self-worth on? Who am I? What is a standard that is truly reliable? And so the, the title, I only have one point today. Know your worth. Know your net worth. Right? Know your net worth. I think we've got to find a standard that's not transient. A standard that will never change, that will never move, that's, that's not going to stop. Not something that's an opinion-based or ideal-based. It's something that's true and never-ending. Right? And so... If you have your Bible, 1 Peter 1, we're going to start in verse 17. You guys with me? Oh, this is a long article. But this idea of, of our self-value, where does it come from? Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. You know, if you look at this, and this, this concept, there used to be, America used to have what was called the gold standard. So for our currency, there had to be, like, you could base it off of a, a specific standard of gold, and, and it, it was a, a, a measurement to say this is what something is worth. 
but gold was the standard. Right? Something precious as gold was used as the, as the standard. But here we look at the worth. God is saying, actually, your worth more precious than silver or gold. Right? We were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And what do you consider the blood of Jesus being? When you consider that He was divine, that, that Jesus was and is God, right? That there was divine blood, the precious blood of Jesus from His veins is what purchased you from death. And when we consider our own value, do you consider your value based on what other people think of you or the fact that God was willing to pay with the blood of Christ for you? I don't know about you, but that gives me, when I can really get there, when I can get there, gives me a lot of confidence. Because I'm not... It's not based off of the trivial things. You know, it's not based off of what kind of house do I have or how much do I make. You know, it's not based on how do I, uh, how do I appear or look to others. It's not based off of how smart am I, how much money is in my bank account, what, what my 401k is, what job I have. Because bank accounts, you can... You can lose your 401k, right? Stock market crash, you lose it all. You can lose your job, you can lose your home. You could, you could even lose your family and friends. When we try to base our, our lives, our foundation, our value, as maybe we're parents, or maybe you're, you're a son or daughter, your friends, your family. Oh, I have a lot of great friends. Yes, but those too, in time, will perish. Now, those things aren't bad. Yes, those things will enrich your life. But they do not determine your value. They may enrich your life, but they do not determine your value. Your value is based off the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we get that, when we understand that, we're not tossed back and forth as easily by the situations. The trauma, the the so-and-so doesn't like me, or this sort of happened, I lost my job. And those things are hard. And we're going to talk about that. I have a scripture to share with you for that at the end. But I just look at this and I go, when Jesus is your gold standard, when you use the God standard, then your security is, is stable. Right? Yeah. It's, not, it's not shifting. Do you see who you are? Right? You know, and so I, I look at this and I, and I say, this was the Son of God. I would not trade any money in the world for my son. Nothing. Nothing would I trade for him. So when you think about that God was willing to let you live for his son, with the blood of his son, right? His child. That that should mean a lot to us. And I love David's illustration. I mean it was that was challenging. Now as a parent, I hear stuff like that and I'm like Oh, dang. Oh, that hurts. Like, you know, I'm like getting emotional hearing him tell the story. I'm like, this is so intense. Yeah. But it takes it to a new level yeah. for me. But even then, it was still meaningful before. Now it just, it's, it's got greater depth. Amen. But I say this. I wouldn't trade my son for anything. Yet God was willing to give his son for you. That you would have hope. That's how much you are loved by God. 
your standard should not be anything other than how God feels about you. Does that make sense, church? It's the value of what you are, who you are. That's why he says you're a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. You're a people belonging to God. That, that's amazing to me. But let's, maybe you feel like, oh, this is, maybe this is for a certain type of person. This isn't for me. Turn to 1 Timothy 2. <clears throat> Consider this concept of value. How much does God value people? How much does God value you? Look at, consider this scripture and keep in mind how God's valuing mankind and you included in this. But he says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. The testimony given in its proper time. For this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the true, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayers without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress with modesty, to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls, expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. We'll stop there. You know, I I see this scripture and what's amazing to me is, is Jesus, he's talking in 115, uh, verse, chapter 1, uh, 15, it says, Christ died for sinners. That's one of the things. So he's talking about just sinners. They're, they're not perfect people, sinners, right? And, and here we go, he says, but you were ransomed. To be, to be ransomed means that you were taken, you were redeemed, you were, there was a, a price paid for you from a captor. I always often think of it, you were kidnapped, you were taken enslaved and God has ransomed you back but he says he he did it for all men and that means it was for you as an individual and I think we can trivialize that and go well God did it for all men but you know what when when Abraham was praying for Lot like he's praying he's like "If, if there's 50 men will you not destroy the city if there's 30 men will you not destroy the city if there is one man right like the idea is God, for one man, God would withhold you know, his wrath. And the idea that, yes, God cares about the individual. Does that make sense? He cares individually about you. So I don't want anybody to think, oh God, it's, it's for the greater, the greater number that he's thinking of. It's also for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. The value of, of who we are. But when a person knows their true self-worth in Christ, it provides a different way of acting and living, right? For men, I loved here where it says, you know, anger and disputing. Why do most men get in fights and arguments? It's because our egos are injured. That's it. 
It's, it's because our, eager, our ego, our self-esteem is bothered. You know, it's, it's, that's why we get upset. You know, and, and we, we look at that. That's, that's the majority of the stupid and foolish arguments that men have. Right? It's, a, it's guys dealing with their egos. You know, and, and it's interesting. <clears throat> Maybe our society's become more feminine, but this section for women, I don't think it's just for women. I think it's for men, too. But for women, it's, he's saying, I want men, or I want women... To dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for the women who profess to worship God. Men care about what we wear, right? Men, men, it's true, care how you look, care how your hair looks, you know? Some people, they get, feel bad when they start losing their hair, guys feel. Women, the majority of women don't lose their hair. Amen for you. You know, but the, uh, you look at it though, and, and for women, God's saying, I just ransomed you. Do you know what you're worth? Do you know what you're worth? You're worth more than any amount of, of fine jewelry, pearl earrings, nice clothes, attention from men. That's not what you're worth. You're worth so much more than that. Don't sell yourself as something cheap that will perish and fade. The attention from men for a little bit of time, that, that hey baby, look, that, that whatever that you think, oh, that makes me feel good, in a moment, it's empty. It's perishing. Right? It's, it's worthless in comparison to Christ. Because you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. When you look at what the women of God should be, they don't need these things to feel confident because their confidence and their value is in Jesus. It's amazing to think of what Jesus' value gives us. What security that God loved you that much. That God's standard for you is, I love you that much. You don't need to go anywhere else to find security. You've got it in me. Don't let yourself be bought by the world again. You've been purchased once already and it was priceless. Right? There's nothing in this world more valuable than what you have in Jesus. Don't sell yourself again back to the world's lies. That's what Satan wants to tell us. You know, in the same sense, for men, guys, the the issue is still there. Right? The insecurity from our health to our weight to our, how much you can bench or lift your job, your, your total income. I make six figures. I don't make six figures. Do you suddenly feel bad that you don't make a certain amount of money? Or do you feel like I've got this great job? Well, what happens when you lose that job? Does your, is your security gone? As an individual, you know, certainly, and I'm not trying to say that <laughs> that's not a hard situation. But is your self-worth decreased? Do you feel less valuable? Because that's a lie, right, to believe. And men the same way. I mean, it's guys, they like the looks from, there's a reason, the peacocking idea, uh, the, the looks from the ladies and the attention that we get and the things that guys pursue, that's absolutely there. But it comes from a place of a lack of your own self-worth. You know, for men, it's true. You know, but I, I look at this situation and I go, do you know your value? Do you see who you are? Does that make sense? You are worth so much more. Look at Philippians 2 really quickly. I wrote this one in this morning because I was thinking about it. And I thought, 
It can be a trip to think, uh, I'm, I'm priceless. You ever felt worthless? You ever, has anybody, I mean, seriously, I've felt worthless before. Definitely felt worthless. Maybe you haven't. You have some great self-esteem. Amen. I've had moments I've felt worthless. Um, when I reflect on what Christ did, I, I don't. But when you have, there can be a tendency to go from what's true self-esteem to becoming towards what's pride in an area. And that can make us feel more important than we are. And that can cause issues in a group. But Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, this scripture, this word consider, it means value or esteem others. It's, it it's, can be translated to value or esteem others. Because if you realize the value that Jesus died for you, but he also died for them, then you can recognize that, wow, they are priceless. And if you're connected with your own sin, you realize, man, I'm imperfect. They're they're just as valuable, if not more valuable. Value them, right? Consider others. And that would change how we treat each other. That would change how you treat even... This is the challenging one. You, you look at your enemy or even the social outcast, the person on the street, you know, the homeless person, Christ died for, for them. They are as valuable, intrinsically as valuable as Jesus' life. Do we see that? Do we see the value of life? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we look at this though. What does this mean and, and how do we live? How does it change us? You know, it changes us because we don't put our confidence in in the worldly things. It changes us because we see the value of another person. That we don't treat them based on what we perceive as their value. We treat them based on what God sees as their value. Does that make sense? But lastly, I want to look at this scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Knowing your net worth, what does it do? It was interesting, the psychologist and what he was writing, and he said, you know, they get back up. They have more joy. They more easily forgive. They, they, de- they endure. They deal with things. And it's true. But people, disciples, when we realize our value, we realize what we have, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, says this. <clears throat> but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show... This all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. You who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed In our mortal body. What does this mean? What does this mean for us guys? This means that when we realize our value. We can love when we feel unloved. We can get up when we've been struck down. Right? It means that we don't have to stay down. Treasure is the knowledge of Jesus Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. Self-esteem and self-worth is based on our foundation in Christ. 
It's who we are. Do you know your self-worth? Take the time to make a value assessment. Assess your net worth. Figuring it out. You know, when jobs are lost, when relationships end, houses burn down, family members die. We know our worth in Christ, but we're struck down, but not destroyed. Right? Doesn't mean we don't hurt, but it means we're not destroyed. So I don't say, I I say that to go, yeah, those things can hurt. But those aren't the things that really are foundationally who we are. Does that make sense? It's not based on our grades. It's not based on our social status. It's, It's not based on married or single. It's not based on the money you make. It's not based on anything. It's based on how much God loves you. And when that foundation comes, there is peace, security, zeal, passion, joy that can never be taken from you. There's security that will never be taken because the value of what you have is enduring and never ending. Does that make sense? And so here, church, there's nothing in this world that will not perish one day. But Christ's love for you will never perish. God's love for you will never perish. If you don't know how much you are loved by God, Study it out. If you've never, if you're not, you don't know how to dig into the Bible, study the Bible with us. We'd love to help you. We'd love to show you what Jesus went through because He loves you and how much He values you. Right? And all of this, get the time. But most of all, church, I want to encourage us. Know your worth. Amen. Amen.